0: Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi,
1: I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, how you doing, buddy?
0: That's another great Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I just
1: you know, it's funny, I just got done watching you in a uh, a live Facebook feed and then uh and then I was like, Well, you know what? If he's doing it, I gotta do it.
0: Well, you didn't have to do it. Actually, I barely made it back in time for this because I went and got a haircut. I seen my barber and she had nobody in the chair, so I went and got a haircut real quick.
1: That's crazy because I just came back from a haircut too, and I went and seen Miss Heather Linville over there at Storm and Norman's barbershop.
0: Yeah. I'm familiar with her. Rub I it in. I bet you are. Salt in a wound. <laughs> Salt, Salt in a wound. wound, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's okay.
1: She, she says she's really excited for us and she wanted me to tell you, uh, hello and that, uh, she's really proud of this show and she's excited that we're doing this. So I'll make sure I I'll send her the relay or you can just tell her on here if you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, uh, miss Heather. I finally found a barber that's decent and, uh, And and, and actually, so my barber's got a pretty funny story. I got to share it with you. So my barber, right, when she went to barber school, she also went to medical school at the same time and got a degree in both. And she likes cutting hair more. So she didn't pursue the medical degree as a career. She cuts hair. And that's her preference.
1: (laughs) That is insane because, you know, it's funny. Like that same type of conversation is pretty much – uh, the basis of what the gentleman we are going to interview
0: today—he is big time into healthcare. All right. Now this link between your mind and my mind is starting to get a little scary. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? It's like it's almost like it's
1: almost like we share a brain. Where we twins at birth? Wait, you were born way before <laughs> me though. But all right so hey audience <laughs> today we're doing another interview we know everyone loves listening to these interviews and I will tell you this is going to be a special one um I've I met Mr Ashby about 2009-ish or 10, and that's when my wife had started working at an assisted living home, and she she was working with him, and then met him not long after, long after that, and he's, goodness, ever since then, we've been friends. Uh, his wife and my wife are actually out doing some running around right now while we record this. <laughs> um, go ahead and say hello, uh, Randy, to everyone.
2: Hey, hello, everyone. I'm certainly glad to be here and was looking forward to it when Brian asked me.
1: Yeah, I, this has been one of those shows where... Um, much like when we got Rick Williams involved and we had him on, it, it, was, it was I was excited for that. Just like I'm excited to have Randy on, but we we have to start off the right way. We've been, we started this thing with John Montgomery and Robert Roof, and then and then it went. We did another one. Uh, we did one with uh, Jim Summers, and now it's time for uh, Mr. Ashby to get the uh, the instinctive response questions. So. This is how it works. I ask you a question, you answer it, then Ed will ask you a question and answer. Now, these questions, obviously, he hasn't got to see in any of them. I did give him a practice one earlier, and he's like, oh, okay. And I said, you're not getting that. So, yeah. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through, and each one of us asks ask, this is instinctive response. So, last fast food meal.
2: Oh, that was easy. Freddy's.
1: Freddy's. What did you have for Freddy's?
2: I got a bowl of chili and a um, Swiss burger. Oh man, oh, I thought good. I would. Uh, today was my cheat day, so that's what I did. His cheat day. Mm. <laughs> I've been trying to lose a little weight. And he's and he looks terrific. What do you got It's Ed? funny you said that cuz
0: this is my cheat week, so <laughs> A week. A whole, <laughs> yeah, you get a whole week? No. I had a donor tonight, and it was healthy. It's shaved chick, it's a uh, shaved chicken and cabbage and some other stuff. It was pretty good though. But his his, his sounds so much better though. <laughs> I, I wish I could eat a hamburger. <laughs> good. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing
1: it in, buddy. I wish I could have a hamburger. What you got? Man, I'm going right at
0: them guns blazing. If you could have any three people, dead or alive, over for dinner, who would they be?
2: Wow. Uh, let's see. I think uh, probably I'll start out with my great-grandmother. I told Brian a little bit about her last night. Uh, I didn't really get to know her. I only knew her just as a child. Uh, let's see. Next, um probably Marco Polo. Uh just uh, I read the book and I mean, just all the adventures and the traveling that uh that that he did. Um the book I read it uh two or three times as a child growing up. I thought it was pretty good. And then um uh probably Jack Ooh. London. I mean, you you know, a lot of people would say, Oh, I wanna sit down with Jesus and uh I'm if I lead my life right, hopefully that time will come. But uh, so Jack London, you know, The Call of the Wild. And, and I like to read books uh, with the outdoors and the kind of adventure. And um, and then my, my, my great-grandmother, my great-grandma, uh, as I was telling Brian, was a full-blooded uh, Comanche Indian. Oh, wow. And I didn't really get to appreciate that until after she had passed. But um, I'd really like to spend some more time with her um, and just learn. Yeah
0: yeah wow yeah i i thought they're that's awesome I, yeah i thought definitely a great a answer but variety. so i noticed the book thing before I even said i was like wait a minute marco polo jack london and uh it, as a listener of the show you know brian and i love books so uh matter of fact i just ordered another book today brian we'll talk about that later um, <laughs> but yeah no these are these are solid choice i like the variety i really do excellent
1: yeah, it, that that would be one crazy conversation at a dinner table, though. Do you think of all those people sitting there? Huh. Uh, yes. That's why we love that question. We actually did a we actually did a show that we're going to release it. It's just he and I doing the questions back and forth. All right. So next question: <laughs> If you could be on any magazine cover, what would it be?
2: Any magazine? Uh, let's see. Wow. How uh, about the uh, Journal of American Medicine?
1: Wow, that's that's a good one. I've had to when I've done research for school, I've had to I've found articles in there about management of things.
2: And that's uh, I mean, I'm certainly not a doctor. I'm just a nurse, but um, but I love to talk about healthcare. So hopefully, if I was on the cover, they would ask me a few questions about what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. All right, what you got, Ed? All
0: right. Um... Favorite athlete?
2: Uh favorite athlete. Well, let's see. Wow, I'd say probably Bill Russell. Wow! No, I'd... that's that's going back a ways. I know he was he was an old Celtic. Um, I think he's probably the greatest uh, professional basketball player that ever played. And I know that get a response out of some because uh, <laughs> a lot of people like. Uh, Michael Jordan or I know you yeah. like Magic Johnson. I've heard you talk about one of his books, I yep. believe. But uh, Bill Russell, I got to see him play on TV. Um and um he was the complete package. I mean, he he could run, he could pass. I mean, and the Celtics, I mean, you know, Red Arback taught them how, how all to do that. But uh, blocking shots, uh uh dribbling, I mean, he had he had the whole 9 yards. And uh, I think, um, I was listening to one of yours and Brian's uh, podcast, uh, yesterday and, uh, and I know you guys want to ask me more questions. I know, but, uh, I don't know that, uh, magic or Michael could, uh, hold a candle to him. Oh no. So oh, wow. That's my, that's, my, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> so, it's about to be a throw down. No, you know, anyway, uh, uh yeah, had to see him play i guess i just thought he was a phenomenal player so
0: you know i think yeah. bill russell's a solid uh, a solid pick for an athlete i, I just like magic because i grew up in the 80s but you know i mean when you talk about bill russell you talking about 11 championships in 13 years and he coached and played at the same correct. time he undersized correct at, at the nba at that time i mean he's playing the seven footers wasn't a seven footer mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and he was overcoming those things so um I definitely think a big part of the celtics uh you know uh dominance was bill russell i I'll agree with you on that one randy I, I won't say he's the greatest, but I will say it's, that he is uh, definitely me- one of them who's overlooked
2: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I was getting ready to say the same thing I think in all the conversations that comes up about the uh i think he would have been if he had been playing at that time could have been on the dream team absolutely absolutely oh, yeah. Uh, yes. But Anyway. So.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it's funny as as you asked that Ed, I I know Randy just a, enough. I my brain was thinking either he's going to pick a basketball player or he's going to pick a golfer. It was going to be one of the two because this guy. Um, matter of fact, I think you've played in the, you played in the, one of those tournaments when Randy uh, and a friend of his won. Uh, that we held at the academy Oh
0: yes. Oh, okay. Now I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah
1: yeah 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 see it's funny (laughs) we'll make sure we take some pictures later Uh, but but and that's what i thought that's the first thing i thought of was he's going to pick a golfer or he's going to pick a basketball player because he's also oh we'll we'll talk about your favorite basketball team on the college side in a little bit actually All all right so my next question is what's your favorite thing in your closet right now And I'm not talking, because I know Michelle probably has a closet that's just full and you're not allowed to put anything (laughs) in there. So find your closet and then find what's in it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. So um, my favorite thing, I guess, would just be my, what I call my little uh, accessories, uh, be it my gloves, my, my, I got a couple of scarves. So you said my favorite thing? Yes. Oh. My favorite thing. Wow, that has to narrow it down pretty good. Um, I would say my scarf. Mm. I mean, that sounds like an odd choice, but it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's, and I'm not trying to get too deep on a scarf, but uh, I can wrap it around my ears. I can wrap (laughs) it around my head because I ain't got much hair. Uh, I can wrap it around my neck. Um, So... Oh, and I have a scarf out in the truck now. Uh, very so,
1: universal. I thought you were going to say your Tom Brady jersey. Oh, <laughs>
2: uh, here well, we go. Uh, I'll tell you what. So, uh, yeah, Well, we, we may talk about that later, but I'm not a Brady fan at all. Oh. But, yeah. Neither is Ed, but Bra- I am. So I'm a New so Englander. and I might have just became yeah. best friends.
0: All <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, shoot, brother. Uh, a time you wanted to quit but you did not.
2: Mm, i tell you what, I guess uh, that's really a hard question. That, um,
1: that's why we call it instinctive response.
2: <laughs> so uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, and, I, and I won't mention uh, company name or anything, but a uh, job before I took this one here, I uh, I went to work for the company with high expectations. And when I got there, it was um, not that way at all. Uh, I guess they were professional interviewers, and I was the interviewee, and I I was uh, just told everything I guess they thought that I wanted to to hear, and once I got there, the reason I stuck around with the job as long as I did was because of the residents and the staff that I was taking care of and working with, Um, and and I don't want to sound, come off as sounding, uh, uh, you know, non-appreciative of the job or nothing like that, but the the owners were just um, not good owners. And I'll just I'll, leave it at that. I'll, I'll like accept
0: that. it. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. And it, I mean, it happens all yeah. the time. Most influential <laughs> comic book character.
2: Well, let's see. I never did look at a lot of comic books. Okay, really you can get out now.
1: Close that, open that uh, door and leave.
2: No. <laughs> well, just uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. And I've I had to go back a comic book, um, hmm, I'm trying to think who made some comic books. Uh, I, I guess I don't. I think did Superman have a comic book? And I'm just asking because I, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't read comic books when I was growing up. I really? Just didn't. You didn't? Yeah, I didn't.
1: Wow. What did you? Well, then what did you read? Were you into when you were young?
2: Marco Polo and
1: oh wow, I like
2: the outdoor stuff and. I oh, To me, it had to make a little sense to me. Is that? And I'm not a brainchild at all. No, but, no, 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 no. no. Uh, the comic books. I just, you know, uh, I felt like I was going to spend my allowance on something better than a comic book. And <laughs> not knocking, wow. not knocking comic books because no. I mean, I know you like them, but uh, yeah, yeah. There's you a know, whole... when I would get my allowance, I'm thinking, well, let's see, I'd much rather have a book that I could put my hands on and thumb through, and yeah, yeah. I just the comic books just mm. didn't to me didn't make a lot of sense. Oh,
1: hey, that's fun with I mean, me. That's that's a does our first Because because we 'cause we've asked that question probably two or three different times now and good hey, I i I'll buy it for a dollar. <laughs> or buy a comic book for a dollar, so I'll probably go buy a comic book. No, I was joking. If you'd asked my brothers, they probably
2: read <laughs> wow. a bunch of them, but I just never did. <laughs> All right. What do yeah, you got Ed? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. That's huh? Excellent though. But that's awesome. Um,
0: in in his Describe yourself as a
2: teenager in three words. Uh short awkward and shy
0: short awkward and shy i like it the short make bill russell the short basketball doesn't really pair up but i mean hey it still works short awkward and shy that's interesting
1: you must have had a growth spurt because you're almost as tall as i am
2: when i was a senior in high school i started out at uh, like five two five three and then i jumped up to where really right at six foot now um the awkward part I just, um, I don't know. I just felt like I had two left feet as the old saying goes, but, uh, <laughs> I kind of worked my way out of that.
1: My basketball coach would have said that too. And then the, <laughs> to the,
2: the shy, you know, I grew up out in the country and I didn't, uh, you know, and not saying that you don't have to be, you know, you can be outgoing and being in the country, but, uh, you know, our closest neighbors when I was growing up as a kid was, uh, the dairy farmers down the road who I eventually wound up working for. But, uh, so I didn't have a lot of interaction except at school, mm-hmm. and um, I was just a little shy, kind of kept to myself.
1: Hmm. All right, so I have one more question, and so does Ed. My last question is: Who would play you in a movie of your life?
2: <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Where'd you guys get these questions at? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's like a search of, engine,
1: Google, the Google yeah, machine. No,
2: <laughs> a movie of my life who would play me
1: they don't have to look like you
2: no i'm just uh i'm trying to think i'm <laughs> not um sometimes i feel like i'm a little bit of an oddball but uh mm, how about uh how about jerry lewis really you excellent know, the only reason i say that is because i think uh he could be a little goofy sometimes and i like to cut up and carry on but uh, oh yeah you i do. think he also had a good heart and You know, when uh, him and uh, Dean Martin would have their things. But ultimately, he found out he was trying to do what he felt like was good in his heart. And and uh, I'm probably not a lot of things, but I feel like I got a decent heart.
1: That's we actually I think we've talked about Jerry Lewis before. uh, Ed and I have. Um, Yeah, I personally would say a younger. How was that? Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. We definitely have talked about him before.
1: Yeah, I know he did. I personally would uh I picture this is just me a younger Anthony Hopkins. That's that's why I see who could play you to a T. Oh, okay. I think it's just me. I don't know.
0: I kinda hear that. What do you, his what voice? You got, Ed? I hear the Anthony Hopkins come across <laughs> In, when he speaks. I'm like, telling you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: So Anthony Hopkins, when you go to make the movie about Randy Ashby, <laughs> make sure you you know, play it right. Come yeah. talk to me, I'll let you know what he's like.
0: Uh <laughs> so real quick, the Jerry Lewis thing we talked about because uh so my cousin has muscular dystrophy. So I grew up That's kind of right. around it and I've actually been to the to the Telethon in the DC area which Jerry wasn't there, but I've seen the like the show itself live happening from DC and stuff. And uh the stuff that he did for that organization, he absolutely had a huge huge heart and he's one of my favorite comedians early in my life. Like I used to love the Jerry Lewis movies. Easily. Didn't get them. I get them now The oh, Yeah. Like the sexual innuendos and the little didn't get that as a kid. I do now. I just got that. He was falling down. And he had a goofy face, but uh, all right. Last question. <laughs> 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 last, last question. So, Give it to us. So I changed the question. I was going to ask when I found out how much Randy loves books. So I'd like to know a book you read that positively shaped you or had a positive influence on, who Randy Ashby is today?
2: Uh I would say um it's a little John Maxwell book and it's uh titled Leadership One oh one. It's maybe a 100, 125 pages long, and it's like a little pocket book, so to speak, uh maybe three or four inches square. And I got it at Books a Million. I've not been to McKay's yet, but I've heard you guys talk about <laughs> McKay's. One of these days I'll get there. But
1: uh Oh, we're going then. So I'll drive you.
2: Okay. But uh, that there, he ties in some really good stuff. You know, if you know anything about John Maxwell, pastor of a huge church, uh, he's asked to speak nationwide at lots of places. Uh, Plus he is a, uh, uh, he uses the Bible quite a bit in uh, comparisons with things. And it's, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I should say in my work career, I wasn't taught anything about leadership and then the the profession that i chose of course has to do with leadership and i hadn't i didn't know anything about it so uh, that was a quick easy read for me that was recommended to me by my boss and uh, that's probably been a and I, I still i read a lot of his books and i have them there on the uh, bookshelf at work so john maxwell
1: okay. John Maxwell, definitely. And actually, that's some of the information that we talked about. Go ahead, Ethan. Uh, I almost called you Ethan. Yes,
0: (laughs) Ethan. Thank you for the compliment. You both Uh, got haircuts. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) That's interesting, Randy, because right now, if you go into my office, I have the John Maxwell Daily Reader, where it's kind of like a daily devotional for the Bible, but it's his, and every day he'll talk about something important, and maybe give you a little task, like jot down these three things when you think about this, or go say something nice to somebody. I actually have the, that's the, I have two John Maxwell books. I can't find the other one, but I do have that one sitting on my desk and I look at it every morning to start my day. It's like part of my ritual to get started. Very nice. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to get into some information about, uh, about
1: Randy and, and kind of, you know, Kind of explain who he is and really why we asked him on the show. And, you know, it's it's definitely an excitement to have. So Randy was born in Madisonville, Kentucky in 1958. Right, Randy? Correct. Yeah, Madisonville, Kentucky. Have you ever, I've been up there multiple times because I have friends that live up there. But we've, uh actually, Randy and I drove through there one time. uh We went to go pick up a, a gym system for my house. And he wrote, and he was telling me all these really cool stories uh, about that. His very first job was milking cows, you say.
2: Correct. <laughs> for who 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 was you doing this for uh jd buchanan he's he's the gentleman that i talked about him and his wife were dairy farmers lived down the road from us uh, when i was growing up and i went to work for jd i guess i was a sophomore in high school and i would get up every morning at four o'clock he had 96 cows go down and i'd ride my bike into work go in and milk cows till seven o'clock come back home Shower, eat breakfast, and then the school was actually right across the field, maybe a half a mile from the house. And then I would hike across the field and get to class, wow. and then get out of school, go back at four o'clock, milk the cows all over again. Would you and do then, all uh, ninety
1: four in like one setting, yes. like in the morning, and then do them again in the afternoon?
2: Yes, yeah, they were yeah. milked twice a day.
1: Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar with milking cows. Um We raised some cattle before when I was younger, but I didn't. Wow, that's a lot of work.
2: It was. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was just like a, uh, well, like an assembly line. You had uh, two rows, and you were in the middle with uh, the milk jugs, and you would take the uh, uh, the the milkers, and you would just switch from one side of the aisle to the next, and you'd have the cows come in and keep them fed and watered, and and hmm. then go on, and it was. Uh, I was making big money. I made a dollar and a quarter an hour. (laughs) And I thought I was just, I thought I was raking it in. Yeah. uh, About how old were you then? uh, Let's say sophomore in school. I was uh, 14 or 15 years old.
1: You're one of how many children in the family? Four. There's four of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, and your mom, she still lives up in the Madisonville area right now.
2: Mom is in a nursing home up in Madisonville. Yes, okay. I was up there seeing her yesterday, as a matter of fact.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and listeners, remember that when he talks about nursing homes, because really going to tap into that in a little bit. Uh, so that was your first job. But you also said you're the first person on either side of the family that graduated high school. Correct. That must have been a crazy day.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't know about it until I actually I was a senior in school and um I know when graduation time was approaching there was uh, some some of the family that lived out of town, Saint Louis and um out around Oklahoma was gonna come in for the graduation. I'm thinking, you know, it's just I'm just I'm gonna graduate in high school. Yeah. And then uh mom and dad was telling me that on either side I'm the very first one. And you know, so if you remember me mentioning my great grandmother? Uh, you know, as a as an Indian, and then they just uh, you know going to school wasn't a thing there. You know, for her, and then uh, my my papaw on my dad's side, his father had broken his hip in the coal mines, so papaw went to work when he was five years old, and he never did. And then dad, uh, when he was in the fourth grade, then my papaw, his dad. Got hurt, broke his leg, and he had to quit school in the fourth grade and go to work, and just you know a whole set of circumstances I guess over the years. But uh, I don't know if that's necessarily anything to brag about. But oh, no, uh, but I was mean... uh, I was the first one on either side of the family. But you have
1: to think about it too. Um, during certain era, you know, certain times, uh, school. You know, it's you did one thing or you did the other. I mean, they probably had basic reading down and things like that, which it's, you know, that's what you needed. And then they went to work and they had a craft that they were, that they must have done or, or, or career that they followed. But you weren't like, you didn't have to go and present a diploma to get a job back then. Right. Like it is now it's like you Much show. Different. Yeah. Now you have to show like a college master's to just get a high school won't get yeah. you anywhere now. Yeah, you, you got to have a college master's degree to run the fry machine at McDonald's. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm just exactly. But but, oh, almost I almost knocked the microphone down. Uh, but but with that, so you you were the first. You had tons of people coming in after graduation. What was the next step for Randy Ashby? You know, because it's like you you reached this, in a
2: sense, you you reached an achievement that many others What was
1: next in line for you?
2: So, you know, uh, living up in western Kentucky, that's a coal mining country. So both sides of the family had several coal miners. And um, I guess a lot of people just thought I was naturally going to go work in the coal mines. So my uncle, he was a mining superintendent down at Providence, number one. He took me down there, and I'll remember it. For the longest time, uh, on a Saturday afternoon, to show me around, he was going to hire me. Mm. Saying so, it was an underground mines. So keep in mind, I by that time I'd shot up to right at six foot, so a little taller than some and shorter than some. But so it had been raining for a couple of days. So as we go into the down into the mouth of the mine, of course, then we start trudging through some mud. We get further on down in, well, of course, underground. You you're stooping over, and uh, so you're walking with your hands behind your back. And literally, before we got all the way through, showing me, we were down on hands and knees crawling. Uh, Now, you still had a few inches up above your head to play with, but it was so low that you couldn't... You could either squat and walk, which was where you're at, but we got on our hands and knees. So, between the going through the mud that was probably a foot deep and the rats swimming around Mm -hmm. and not being able to stand up straight... Uh, when I got back out of the mine, I told my uncle, I said, thank you, but no, thank you. And I just decided then and there, I didn't want to have anything to do with the mines. Mm-hmm. So my, my papaw had always told me, he was asking me when I was, uh, uh, going through my senior year, what are you going to do? So of course, uh, at that time, and we'll get into that later, but, uh, the draft was still going on. Mm-hmm. So I had registered for the draft. And I really and fully and truly thought I would get drafted, and then just a few months before I graduated high school, that was done away with. So I didn't didn't get drafted. Um, Papa said, "Well, there's two things in life that people will always do: one, they're always going to eat, mm-hmm. and two, at some point or another, no matter how good you take care of yourself, you're probably going to get sick and need some type of hmm. of care." Mm-hmm. I've heard that. I've heard that before. So, yeah. So, uh, so with my first part of my career. I went uptown, and uh, Dad knew a, a gentleman that owned a local IGA, and I went to work up there carrying out groceries. And then I eventually worked my way up into uh, what they call a manager trainee program um, to where you would work in each department. So, you know, I learned something about produce and learned something about the business office and, and, uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. So when I went back to the meat department, uh, that clicked. And it was uh, the idea of taking a hanging side of beef or a pig and carving it up into something that you could put out in the counter and people would buy and eat. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, to me, I thought it was so cool to um, go back there and take your knife and your hacksaw and cut off what you needed and carve it up and cut it up and, mm-hmm. and do it. And so... For the next, uh, I guess, 14 years, um, I was a meat cutter, and I loved it.
1: For 14 years,
2: yeah. And I would, uh, if it paid anything, I'll be honest, I would probably still be doing it today mm. because I loved it.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny you brought that up because um, when I was, when I still had chickens at my house and I was, I was raising them and I was uh, butchering them, you gave me like all kinds of advice, and you're like. <laughs> definitely get some gloves wear some gloves you don't want and I, I yes. was like why do you and, and, and you told me that it could make me sick if you know if I if it got into my skin all that stuff and but I took I took your word for it and I bought gloves and I wore two and three pairs of gloves at one time you know so but that's wow so you spent 14 years from the time you graduated high school so really if you think about it, you graduate high school about what 18 or Seven. so I was 17, 17. Yes. so 14 years later you didn't actually change into, like, a, another career until you were in your 30s.
2: Correct. What I did, I tell you what, and I and I tell my daughter and I tell uh, people that I work with, if you're thinking about going to school and, and, you know, and you're sick of high school for a little bit, maybe take a summer off, but then don't delay it. Go ahead and do it. Because I went back to college, I was 33, when I finally went back to, to college or started college, I should say. I didn't... When I got out of high school, I guess I was uh, not necessarily burnt out, but I thought, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do? I mean, you know, my GPA was good enough at the time where I could have, but I just didn't. (laughs) You know, and don't ask me why, but I just didn't. But uh, looking back, uh, if I had it all do over again, I could have got those 14 years back and been more productive in my life.
1: You probably could have still worked there while going to school too. Huh? And I
2: probably could have, yeah. but, uh, you know, I was interested in playing softball and basketball yeah. and, and all that. And I just, time slips away from you very quickly.
1: Oh, it can. Yeah. Ed, does that sound familiar about, you know,
0: going to school at a later age and how it, how it affects you? Uh, I have homework due tomorrow at 40 plus years old. So yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's different. So, uh a few years ago, I re-enlisted. And one of the options was you could go to the brick and mortar for a semester. And, man, I must have been 30, might have been 32. And uh, I went brick and mortar. And I rushed back to do online school. I got to tell you, Randy, because being in there brick and mortar, you know, and you, and, and they're like, hey, you know, write this kind of paper. And I'm writing about something super complicated. And these kids are writing about, you know, the Backstreet Boys or the Pussycat Dolls. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out, I'm <laughs> out of my league. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah, no, I can't go brick and mortar. I'm way too old for this. So, yeah, it, it's hard. It's a challenge, too. And you got to kind of and- upset accept that, hey, I'm too old for this nonsense. Let me go back to college online. Nobody knows. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's funny,
1: so, you know, Ed and I, we both go to school online, but you actually went, and, and he obviously said you went to brick, you went to brick and mortar school, like you went to a, a Correct. S- hard school, yeah? And I, I loved it. Did you feel like yeah. you were out of place ever, though? I mean...
2: You know what? Yes, because at that time, you know, I was, I was had my first child, and she was uh, three or four years old, mm-hmm. and I was going to school full time, and then I was working full time, so I'd get out in the afternoon, I'd go to work, I was pumping gas. Hmm. And uh, so I couldn't keep my meat cutting job on night shift, but I've got a job pumping gas. And it uh, so all these uh, other students who I was in a classroom with were, they were going home to study or going home to do homework or whatever. And you know, so they they were still living at home with their parents. And here it is, I'm a parent and I'm still got to work. But yeah. you know, th- to me that was the only difference. Uh, you just know, talking about the brick and the mortar. I would much rather do that than sit down in front of a computer and take a class because then you get that um, personal relationship, I guess, with the instructor. You can ask questions. You can actually see it. Some teachers are much better than others. You know, I mean, we all know that. But um, I like to be able to talk and ask questions. And then I like to sit up front so I can see, too. (laughs) uh, Yeah. But uh, anyway,
1: I enjoyed it. It's it's just awesome. Is is that was that, like when you went to school then, was that your turning point that you went from, uh, because you said earlier, your grandfather said, you food or medical? Did you go into the medical degree
2: plan? You know what? Uh, I knew going in that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, On my mom's side and my dad's side of the family, there was about eight total nurses altogether. And uh, so when we would get together around the holidays and, Just little get togethers and whatnot, and I would hear them tell their stories about being a nurse, and they would be taking care of this patient or that patient or doing whatever. And I thought, man, how cool is that? You know, so the more I'm listening to them, I was. I don't know. So, uh, and then the, the, one of the other things my papaw told me, and you guys have probably heard it as well. There's, uh, they say, uh, work mm. smarter, not harder. Oh, here so, probably mm-hmm. once a week I listen. I hear that. So you know. So I thought. Well, you know, not that uh, uh, being a nurse is uh, necessarily easier, but as far as from the physical side, you're not lugging around sides of beef and everything else and breaking your back. And um, plus, I was getting to use my brain for something, and mm-hmm. it. Um, You know, so there's, uh, and you guys know this as well, there's there's a part of being physically tired and then mentally tired. And um, I would hear my my, uh, families that were nurses, uh, the family members talk about how they'd come home and they're just mentally just wore out. And I couldn't figure out what they were talking about until I actually experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. But I have a sincere appreciation now for anyone that, does that or does anything where you're sitting behind a desk because it's stressful it's uh it it works on the body
1: yeah yeah and people don't um because we often compare it like you know to well it's kind of like going through a traumatic situation in your brain like you almost go into a meltdown um but and, and it's funny that it's really funny to me how your body will like be drained and all you're do we're doing was using your brain for that day you're making decisions you're you know coordinating this and that and you're like how is that even possible you know that i am that drained mentally you know i learned that and and ed he probably could speak upon it too but i've learned that through the ranks Earlier in the ranks in the military it was about physical 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 but as i've gone up it's shifted and it's been a crazy shift and that shift um I would definitely say you that I'm I'm thankful for learning throughout too, because I don't think the mental stuff I deal with now, I would have, I would never as a 20 year old
0: um, specialist, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I, I'm glad it was a growth thing. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. I agree. So I agree with that completely, Brian. So I, it makes me think about something my ex father-in-law actually told me. And when you think about it, it's kind of true, but it's not, a, I'm, I'm going to say it's not a hundred percent accurate, but he used to tell me like, you know, education's important. He didn't say it had to be school education, but if you think about it, it who makes the most, uh, you know, a lot of the money, your, your doctors, your lawyers, well, they go to school forever. Right. And the people who choose not to pursue that education, that's your laborers and they, and they're the ones doing that back backbreaking mind numbing um, um, work. So In our case, in the military, early, we're not educated. We don't understand how the military works. So what do we do? We're digging ditches. We're filling in foxholes, whatever. And as we grow and we continue to learn, right, throughout our career, that lifelong learning comes in and then we get a little bit away from that stuff. And now we're making decisions. Now we're planning events and we're doing that type of stuff. So that growth and that learning is so super important. So yeah, And that's kind of what came to mind. While Randy was talking.
1: Absolutely. It's funny you brought up lifelong learning. Go ahead, Randy.
2: I was gonna say, do you ever <laughs> I know I have, you ever wish sometimes you were back just to the physical part of it and not the mental part?
0: I, I so I am a uh right now the job I'm in now, I sit a lot. And and I'll be honest with you, Randy. There's days that it's like I may have to go to the madhouse if I keep sitting here because I want I would rather be shoveling some snow or something than just sitting there. Uh, without a purpose. When I have a purpose and I'm sitting there doing something on a computer, I can do that. But with no purpose sitting there, I absolutely miss the physical days yeah, sometimes. You. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and when we were instructors, it wasn't really that physical. But I would tell you that as we moved up, I know, and I think I probably, he probably will say the same thing. As we moved up at that academy, like I, you know, as I'm leaving, I wish I could have went back and just been an instructor. Like I enjoyed that, like it wasn't completely physical; it was physical in man in areas when we were doing stuff outside, but it was just so fulfilling. But then as you increase, it's like you less less uh contact with the students, more just thinking it out, thinking it out, mm-hmm. thinking it out. And I mean, it's funny because you've and we're gonna get into where like what you do now and the type of job you have now. Um, and you told me a story is not too long ago, and I was just like wow, you're still getting into it. I mean, you're still getting into it, like getting into the rhythm of dealing with people all the time. And that's what I love. That's what I've always loved about talking with you about. Um,
0: Ed, anything? No, no. I think you, uh, yeah, you're right. They, you know, when we were working there, like initially when we were trying to learn how things flowed and, and learning the curriculum then, yeah, it was harder when we were working at that academy. But as we grew and then I got promoted there, oh, so did you. I got promoted out of the teaching part and, you know, and I missed it. I missed being in the classroom because now I'm uh, doing quality checks on paperwork and now I'm planning, you know, changes in the curriculum. And so I kind of missed that, get my hands dirty type of stuff.
1: I think we're going to, we're going to learn a few things from Randy because I'm going to bring up a story a little bit later about waxing floors and he's going to be able to Tell us how you can still get after it, even though you're in, you're the boss running the show. But before we get into that, so you got you 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 decided to go the healthcare route. How long did it take you to finish that 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 uh, you got a degree or you became a registered nurse? Or I'm not, I don't understand yes. that. So
2: no, that's fine. So as I was going through nursing school, I worked as a CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant. So I had you know a, a section of uh, residents I took care of while I was doing that and and going to school. And I got my RN license. It took me three years to go through. I got my associates in applied science. And that's as far as I've got in my education on that end of it.
1: Okay. And then, uh, so, but but with that, you, you do that. Um, how long did that take you to do all that stuff? To, to finish that?
2: Uh, it was three years. Uh, first year was like uh, getting prerequisites out of the way and, and all that. Uh, the, the last two years, I, I pushed it into two years. I could have stretched it out, but again, since I had a family and need to get out and get to work and, uh, I did it in two years time. So I went, uh, also during the summer as well. and oh, wow. Uh, so I finished my RN degree in two years.
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> it it could have, you, you could take your time and do a little bit more. Uh, you can, but I mean, and I wasn't the only one that did it. It's not like I was doing something that nobody had ever done, but right. Uh, I felt like I was doing it out of necessity. I mean, I was pumping gas, you know, while I was going to to school and everything. And then I started working as a CNA because I was able to do that, which paid a little more than pumping gas. Right, right. But not much. But uh, I just felt the need, and so I went year round.
1: Wow, it's funny when you, you brought up pumping gas. Um, when I when I graduated high school, there was in Bangor, Maine, there was one gas station left that still had full service, and now you think about it, it's like, there's no such thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, I would love it to, to know if there's a place in America that still has full service gas yes. stations. Cause... You know
2: what I saw? I believe in Washington State, uh, I think I saw on uh, the news the other day, uh-huh. it was one of the last, I don't know how many there is, but one of the yeah. last outposts, if you will, in the United States that actually will go out and pump your gas and check your oil <laughs> and put air in your tires and all that. That's insane. It's like a dinosaur.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's funny though that 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 was like now at my age now, thinking about I'm like, I never thought of that. You know, like that that was a business, like pumping
0: gas (laughs) and checking oil and. So you pumped gas, Brian. Go ahead, Ed. Did you pump gas? Is that what you're saying?
1: Oh no no. No, 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 no. Well, I do now. I mean, especially now. Oh, okay. If, if Ethan, if Ethan notices that the, the light comes on at all in my truck, he, or if it goes under, like, it'll tell you how many miles you have left. If it goes under 100 miles left, he's, he's usually freaking out on me and let me know you need to go get gas. You need, and he doesn't stop. (laughs) Like he doesn't, it's like Ethan. Okay. I got it, man. I know what I'm doing. No, no, no. You got to get gas, dad. You got to get gas. I'm like,
0: Okay. You know, so nope. maybe I'll get him to pump my gas. I don't know. So I asked because my first job was pumping gas. <laughs> really? I, so I lied about my age and it was an old Exxon station <laughs> and I was pumping gas <laughs> and doing oil changes and checking oil 40 hours a week in the summer for $40. <laughs> minimum wow. minimum you- wage was 335 but I was getting paid under the table. And it was my first job. I didn't know any better, so I took it. And I was getting forty dollars to work forty hours at a gas station, pumping gas and doing oil changes.
2: Well, I was making a killing at <laughs> a buck and a
0: quarter. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Think about it: the year that you were
1: doing it versus the year
0: he was doing
2: well, it that's too.
1: True. Yeah, so the
0: inflation. I would have been yes. doing it. Uh,
2: you
1: got
0: ripped c- off. circa nineteen eighty six, so fourteen. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: All right, I got you. Yeah. That's insane. That's awesome. So so when I looked at when I did the math, I was sitting here doing the math. It took me a while I had to take off my shoes, um, obviously my hands and my socks to get the math out right. But um you graduated high school, seventeen, uh you were you're approximately thirty four years old when a new career started. How 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 do you move forward like that? Like what is it that drives Randy Ashby? to say, you know what, new career, but I'm going to succeed at
2: this? You know what, I guess it was um, it was just something new, something that um, I, I just could see a lot of potential going forward if I ever wanted to move or to move up. Yeah. That it was going to, I felt like it was going to open a lot of doors for me. And I'll be honest, I guess uh, even at 33, 34 when I got out, Uh, i guess i still had a little bit of that innocence of youth i don't know because i was just uh, excited i mean it didn't bother me a bit to uh to shift gears so to speak in midstream and go down a different path totally different so I, i was excited
1: it's funny so the the episodes each episode that we've done so far that's been an interview every single one of them uh when we look at jeff watts we look at uh Mr. Montgomery, Mr. Roof, we look at Summer, we look at Mr. Williams, all five of them, they, every single one, pretty much the same thing. He either retired or got out of the army, shifted uh, directions and started a new career. So it's like, I'm always, bu- I'm always, my mind is always like trying to recalculate that and figure out how one can do that successfully. I mean, it's not like I'm you know, trying to figure it out for myself or anything.
2: So, you know, I think for you guys, uh, it would be much different than it would be for me because uh, uh, when you go, and I've heard my wife talk about this as well, and you and her have both have talked about it, going from military life to civilian life and having a civilian job, uh, it's almost like two different worlds. Um, It just is. So I think it would be much harder for uh, you guys to do that, to make that sort of transition than it was for me because— Civilian world was all I ever knew. Okay, no. if that makes sense. No, no, yeah, no, it, it does
1: make sense. It's, we have a different lingo.
2: Yeah, it,
0: makes per, it makes perfect. It makes it makes perfect. I'm gonna tell you, Randy. A few years ago, I was about to retire, and I got promoted, so I didn't. But as I was approaching that transition that you're talking about, you know, that your wife and Brian, I was scared to death, man. I'm not. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I was scared to death what was next, and I actually got out the military, went to the civilian sector and came back in the military so i had a peek at the civilian life and even transitioning there i was like kind of iffy about oh i got this job do i really want to push myself to do something different something better i worked as a walmart greeter for like 10 years or something like that so or not walmart greeter a stalker uh so those 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 transitions (laughs) are
1: tough he just walked out he says a stalker he actually walked around stalking people, <laughs> and just I w- watching them. That's what it was. Oh <laughs> that and, and, and I was a night stalker okay. too, so. <laughs> oh, that's uh-huh. horrible. No, actually, um, uh, so it's funny Ed brought that up. Weren't you in uh Canada the whole time?
0: Eh? Yeah. So when I transitioned to be a civilian, I I left the country and transitioned and was trying to do it in another country as so now i'm an immigrant and you know i'm I'm a resident so i can't work federal jobs and i was working like temp jobs and all that craziness and but the transitions were so stressful like you worry about it because i got a kid you know two kids at home and a wife and you got to feed them and yeah yeah. and so then when it was time to get out the military i was like "Mm, i think i'll stay in They may have to make me Are you leave. You're supposed to feed them? Yeah, you got to feed them. I think it's two hot meals a day, <laughs> one MRE or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. All right, so you finish the degree. You go into the healthcare business. Where's the first place you go? I mean, what's the first uh, job you take on You know, as a nurse?
2: So it was at a nursing home. And uh, so when you go through nursing school, you got four semesters, and they kind of hit on four different areas. And so I knew I didn't want to be an OB nurse. I mean, you know, the last thing a woman in labor wants to look up and see is – a male nurse probably. Uh, they just want to see their doctor. Yeah. So I didn't want to be an OB nurse. I didn't want to be an emergency room nurse. Uh, but the geriatric side really uh, kind of clicked into me. So if you remember back when I was growing up uh, out in the country, uh, and I'm going way on back, but it just used to be a gravel road. Again, the closest neighbors was the dairy farmers, and they were up in years. So when I grew up, uh, kind of, I guess, factors into me being a little shy and awkward, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I grew up around old people, you know, mom and dad was probably the youngest. And then, uh, you know, my uncle, but, uh, the neighbors up and down the road and mom and dad, you know, we weren't allowed, uh, as kids, you know, to go, of course, you'd have to hike off or drop off at the bus, you know, if you're going to go see and play with somebody. So, People I grew up around was older people, so uh, when it comes time to choose that uh, end of it on healthcare, geriatrics is where I want to go, yeah. and I love it, and they, they pay me for what I'm doing, and, and I love it, so oh, yeah. I'm so, very, very blessed.
1: So you stuck with a nursing home uh, or the geriatrics piece of nursing, um, and did you start up there in the Madisonville area, or did you move?
2: I did. Uh, there's a was uh, a nursing home up there called Senior Citizens Nursing Home, of all things, but uh, it was a nice, it was a little 88-bed building, and um, I really got my feet wet, you know, because you can go through school, and I did, and they, you got your books, and it teaches you everything. But when you actually get out in the real world, so to speak, and actually lay hands on a patient, and then you get to do start doing some of those skills that you learned in school, and to me, it was just, uh, you know, I remember the first time I drew blood on somebody when I stuck the needle in the vein and I got that flashback Eesh. of blood. It was just, it was kind of like a rush. Uh, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way or, or yeah. a, uh, anything, but I was like, like, cool, I did it, you know. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, The other it like, person's hey. like, cool, he did it. <laughs> yeah, they were probably relieved too. But, uh, uh, but you know, you, you practice in school and it's just... Uh, uh, You know, so I finally got to put the skills to use, and it was, and I had uh, some really good teachers, uh, if you will, when I got out. Because uh, when I got out, I graduated as a registered nurse. So when you look at the hierarchy, when you go into a nursing home or even a hospital, CNA is at the bottom. You know, they do all the grunt work, so to speak. Then you have an LPN. Who can give medicine, but is not as educated and there's some things uh, like starting iVs or drawing blood that they can't do that an r n can do
1: and it's legally right we're not saying they and, can't physically they just legally right? legally correct
2: okay. so it was um, so here I am, and I talk about the the leadership part uh, that I had no idea about. I get out as an r n start to work on the floor. And some of these folks, when I was going through nursing school, I'd worked as a CNA when I got the job. I was their partner, so to speak. And then when I graduated school and come in that next Monday after I got my license, then I'm immediately their boss, so to speak. But then they're still teaching me. So some of the best teachers that taught me so much to be an RN uh, was the LPNs and the CNAs.
1: Absolutely.
2: And it... um, I don't know. They they're just uh, great great teachers. I owe them a lot. Yeah,
1: and that's and that falls along the lines of what we talk about with lifelong learning. It's just it's insane like how people will reject the knowledge of others because they think that they're better or smarter or all that. And it's I mean we talk about when we would teach in the classroom if a if a young twenty one year old male or female brings up an idea and 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 I, and I and I can learn something from it. I love it. That's the greatest because it's continued learning. That's what it is. And I guarantee you probably still to this day, you have things where oh, I didn't know that. Well, I'm glad I learned that, you know, so yeah,
2: we'll all learn to the day we die. If we allow ourselves to learn.
1: That's it. Exactly. What big thing. If you allow yourself, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. So you, you, and what you brought up was very much what a lot of our, so in the services, that our soldiers have to deal with. They go to the school that Ed and I taught at, they leave that school, one minute, they're on the line with them, B- buddies working. The next day they get promoted and now it's like, or maybe it's, you know, they find out they're getting promoted then they get promoted within the next month, but, and now they have to be in charge of it. You know, that transition, was that around the time that you received that uh, Leadership 101 book around that that transition or was it a little bit later down the road?
2: It was later down the road. Um, you know, the the I guess the lessons that I learned from a couple of the CNA's and the and the LPNs were, you know, we're just like you were trying to get the same outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to take care of the patient each and every day and just get the same outcome. Um, you know, we both put our pants on. You may have a little more education, but you still don't know everything there is to mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and they were exactly right. Uh so it was it was a little bit later, um, as I started kind of working up the ranks so to speak and I got to be an assistant director of nursing and that's when I got one of my first books
1: assistant director of nursing now it, to help us understand that like in a in a say in an organization like what is that like where does that like hierarchy how where does that person stand so, so for those who don't know
2: uh so let's see so um uh, so I'll tell you what uh uh, I watched a movie called uh, "We Were Soldiers." <laughs> so here is Mel Gibson, and he's uh, uh, corpor- or, uh Colonel Moore, and then you had um, was it Sam uh,
1: Sam Elliott plays
2: Plumley. Sam yep. Elliott plays Plumley. Yep. So Plumley would have been like the assistant director of nursing. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so does that make sense? He was kind of yeah. like Mel Gibson's or or, yeah. or 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 Colonel Moore's right arm yeah. man. Yeah, definitely in your so household though, you're
1: not the sergeant major. I've met your wife and it's definitely not. <laughs>
2: well, I still don't salute her, but Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
2: No, it's okay, so now that 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 makes sense
1: to us. So you're kinda like second in command. Like if the if the boss is away, you're the next person in charge. Correct. Oh, okay. That makes sense to me. All right. And I mean, throughout the years, uh how long well, let's put it this way, how long did you serve in that type of position? Because I know now you're you're much higher in rank, but how would you,
2: so I was uh, an assistant director of nursing for probably almost two years, two years. Yes.
1: And then you went on to do the
2: director of nursing to where I was, uh, like over the entire nursing department for the, for the nursing home.
1: Okay. So, all right. So in the, okay, in the, in the home, so there's the person who's in charge of the facility, which is the executive director, correct? Correct. Okay. And then you're talking about just a depart you're it's a department within because there's multiple departments. Correct. Okay, that makes sense now. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> then you, you became the director of nursing. How long from there until you actually took your first executive director job?
2: Uh, nine years.
1: Nine years?
2: Yes, I was director of nursing for nine years.
1: It was in the same place or did you move?
2: Uh, I moved from Kentucky to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked at uh, a couple of different places, actually three different places as director of nursing.
1: As you as you went up, um, you went from, you know, being a, a, a registered nurse to, you know, the second in charge, the person in charge. As you moved up, did you have less contact with patients or was it kind of the same?
2: Uh, you know what? Uh, it was a little bit less, but uh, you still had some. Right. And some you wanted to interject on because if they were, you know, starting to go, uh, uh, the term we use is actively passing away then you want to know what's going on so you can have those conversations with the family if need be. So but oh. it did get less as you went on up the ladder so to speak.
1: So did you have to do that much where you actually had to where you as the nurse or was there somebody else that usually de- dealt with that?
2: You know what uh sometimes it was a social worker okay who would be kind of like a liaison between the the uh the patient and the families in the facility um and then if they you would never go in and I would never have anyone go in and do it by themselves because you want to, you know, you want to be as a team, so to speak. Yes. The social worker can answer questions, you know, about living wheels and, and all that stuff and, uh, advanced directives. And, and so could you as a nurse, but if they had any clinical questions, uh, tube feedings and, you know, do we want to keep them comfortable? Do we want an IV? Do we want, so, that you would interject yourself back in because you would want to know all that you could about that resident at that time. Uh it's 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 hard sometimes to keep track of you know 120 different residents and know all the little idiosyncrasies about them. Yeah. But when the time comes, you have to be well versed or you should be well versed.
1: Yeah. And and you know what you said makes sense. I went through a class that's called CNO, or CNOCAO, cao it's casualty notification officer and then casualty assistance officer um and when you said you have to be a team they do the same thing uh where you know when, when and, I, and i hate i hate even talking about when soldiers pass away but it happens when soldiers pass away it's normally a soldier with an off or, or an enlisted with an officer and then usually a chaplain and they have to go and you know and they're a team and they learn how to do it and i mean I, I can only imagine how tough it is, you know. Also, and because you're you're in a you're in a care facility where that happens, it's going it's expected. Just like being a soldier, it's expected. So, wow, man, I, I hats off to you, brother, because it's. I mean, did they give you training for that? I mean, or is it just no? You just learn.
2: You know what? Well, you there was uh, probably a couple of weeks in nursing school. You learned about end of life, but uh, nothing as far as. Uh, dealing with the uh, psychological side of dealing, sitting down and dealing right. with someone, you know, that's lost a loved one. Wow. And yeah. a lot of it, you just, you know, you'd learn. And, you know, again, I go back to the CNAs. You know, those, those folks there do the grunt work, so to speak, but um, they're the ones that form those bonds with those folks. They spend more time with them than anybody else, mm-hmm. probably see the families more than anybody else. And lots of times they would be the ones that would want to kind of uh, knows their way in with the group because they just knew the right thing to say. Uh, they knew the families better than we did, and they, yeah, just a real blessing. Absolutely, so you, you learn a lot.
1: All right, so I want to shift gears just a little bit here. Um, you've you've transitioned. You said you had to transition where you went from you know being the uh, you know learning going to school, being beside each other, becoming in a leadership position, and then moving your way up in that that ladder. What are some of the things you learned early on as a leader or an influencer of that organization that you feel like you've really carried throughout because of, you know, because of what you were posed with?
2: Uh, I guess uh, probably first and foremost, uh, you have to be the leader. Uh, you, you can't necessarily be friends. Mm. Uh, you've you got to be the one that's going to take charge. Um, now if you can have a little bit of a friendship on the side, that's okay. But when, the the, uh, the rubber hits the road, so to speak, you got to step up the plate and be the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the years, I guess, uh, some of the things that are one of the big things that I've learned, there's some things that I took from, uh, administrators or executive directors that I worked with that I, that I still do today. And then there's some things that I learned from them that I will never, ever do. hmm and uh, so I've kind of incorporated some of those I guess just life lessons if you will right into it and again I'm still learning I'm I'm not the best leader there is and ever will be yeah but I try to be just a little bit better every week
1: absolutely and and for those of you who don't know he's you're now an executive director and you have been I know at least since I've known you you've been an executive director probably long before that
2: yes um, uh about 11 years now
1: and that really comes with challenges because when we talk about, we've talked about it in shows before where when you're that guy that come, becomes in charge and you know, you know a specific area, like you knew the nursing, so you understand that. And no one, um, I, always, I always put it this way, but um, no one can pull the wool over your eyes because you understand that. But then when you're in charge of all kinds of other sections, it's how do you take, how did you learn to take that ownership of all those other areas when you became that executive director?
2: So uh, when I was studying to uh, take my, uh, get my administrator's license, uh, one of the books that I read, uh, Required Reading, talked about the five domains that are covered in nursing homes. So you get the business side, you get the nursing side, you get the maintenance side, the life safety, um, excuse me, the, the food side, and then environmental services. So you read about all that. Right. Okay. So I went through what they call an AIT, Administrator in Training Program, for a year. And in that year's time, the administrator I was working under, uh, he had me work in each of those departments over the course of a year so that I got to know a little something about each and every department. Nursing, I didn't, so it was easy for me. So I spent three months in each of the other four. Nice. But so I didn't have word with nursing. So it gave me a little bit of an insight as to, why they did it, how they did it, what they needed to do it and, you know, to be successful.
1: Absolutely. You know, Ed, you know, that reminds me of when you told this story um, you actually told it recently. I listened to one of our, I think it was leadership capital podcasts. And you talked about that where you went into each one of your, your persons and and you worked with each one to figure out what they were. What do you got to say about it, buddy?
0: Um, Yeah. It's really interesting to me because you know, my, most of my experience, Randy is military, but man the leadership thing i think randy is really he's he's given us a civilian uh look on what we know that you know and 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 like what you're talking about there i went to all the sections of the warehouse that's how i learned to to work in the warehouse but i mean i'm listening to randy and he is building leadership capital along the way he's learning he's growing and uh and i think it's super interesting the, I can see the balance, you know, uh, he talked about the difference between, you know, we say leadership versus likership. Well, he said the same thing. He said the exact same thing. Absolutely. Right. And, and so that's interesting to me as a military guy. So Randy, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm learning tonight, Randy. I'm learning tonight. Well, today for you tonight for me, buddy, but I'm learning and, and, and well, I- it's excellent to see that connection.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, so you're now the an executive director. Are you allowed to say where you're at right now? or?
2: Oh, sure. Okay. I don't mind. Yeah. I, I work at Ahava Healthcare here in Clarksville, Tennessee.
1: Right. Right. And um, so now you're you're there. Um, let's talk about I brought it up earlier. Let's talk about that situation where the, the, the floor waxing because I love this story. When you told me this story, I was like, that's what I call a servant leader. And, and I know you're gonna be like, no, no, I just did my job. It was a servant leader. I'm going to tell you. Go ahead. Tell us about it.
2: So, uh, <laughs> we, uh, of course, you know, we have a housekeeping department, uh, every nursing home does. And so we have been without a uh, floor technician for the last, um, uh, I guess four or five months. So earlier in my career, um, back when I was a younger guy, I used to be able to do floors. I did part-time for a, a janitorial service there in Madisonville. So I know how to strip and wax floors. So, um. Uh, Anyway, so I just kind of <laughs> just jumped in there at work, and I worked uh, a few nights here and there, and I would go in, strip floors, and wax them and just do what I had to do.
1: Yeah, it's it's more than that, though, because you literally were working a hallway each night.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, but you know what? It's, uh, again, uh, you know, from the leadership, and I know uh, you and Brian are, are big into that in y'all's careers, it's uh, it's just setting the example for others to follow. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, leadership is all about influence. And if I can influence someone to do a little something that's maybe out of their scope, um, then I feel like I've probably done my job. It's no big thing to go out there and strip and wax the floor. I mean, anybody can do it. It's just a it's a few step process, and you're and you're done. Yeah. It's just the idea of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and if I didn't do it then the place wouldn't look good. It wouldn't present well. Yeah. You know, we're a five, I'll throw in there as well, we're a five-star building, which means we're in the top uh, 10% in the country in what we do. That's awesome. So, uh, but it's just, uh, I have a good team that it allowed me to be able to take those nights and go in and do it because I felt like that I could go in and work night shift and the team was strong enough during the day that they just kept everything going. That's, and, and that's a cool thought too
1: it is that's amazing and I, I mean I don't know how much involved you were in building the, their leadership but the fact that that could happen that says a lot for them um, but before we go any further I wanted to let you know if you're still looking for a floor technician the army produces them every day across the globe <laughs> um, there are tons of privates that know how to wax a floor I promise you that
2: <laughs> I still need one <laughs> Ed,
1: Ed you feel like waxing floors maybe we can find a little oh, side man. gig buddy
0: Hey, it has been a little while, but, uh, I mean, I, I, I used to make them pretty shiny. And then if I wanted to be a smart aleck, I used to put uh paste wax. I used to burn the paste wax, you know, and wax the floor. And then you put just a thin coat of pledge over it. And anybody on socks is going to provide you some entertainment because they're going to fall for sure. So that, that, that was <laughs> in don't my, want uh, that
2: in a nursing home, but yeah, uh, definitely not in a
0: nursing <laughs> home, but, uh, in the, in the, <laughs> the barracks on a Friday night after soldiers have been drinking, it's, It can be funny. I can only imagine, (laughs) yes.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, So, as you know, we're going to shift gears a little bit towards the influencer leadership stuff. What are some of the things, you know, that, you know, obviously through this career that you've been going, you know, you've gone, Randy. And it's funny. You talked about it earlier on. You... You worked in different areas of the grocery store. I love connecting things. It's just, it's one of those things I like to do. You learned those different things and you found your passion. You did it again when you got promoted in the nursing area. We had to work in little areas and you've kind of found that passion in what you do. Uh, What are some of the leadership tips or or influencer, even influencer, because that's just as important, tips that you would provide for the listeners?
2: So, you know what? Um. In anticipation of you maybe asking something like that, because I had texted you last night just to say I wrote down a few things, it's got like and f- these are things. Fifteen pages. <laughs> <also known. laughs> yeah. I didn't want to come empty-handed. No, but I, uh, so uh, I guess um, you know one of the first things. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Tony Robbins? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. that dude's yep. amazing. Okay, so one of his uh, uh, short sentence, but it makes a lot of sense. Complexity is the enemy of execution. So, what I try to do at work, I mean, it's not uh, it's not anywhere near what you guys do in the military. Now, we're we're taking care of human lives. I get it, but it's not rocket science. It's it's keeping them uh, clean and fed and medicated and uh, exercised and whatever they need. And it's it's basically it's customer service. You yeah. Get right down to it. So, what I try to do, anything, any project we start, anything we do. I don't make it complex. It's going to have two or three steps in each process, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go out there and read all them studies. If you've got somebody that's working on eight, nine projects all at the same time, the chances of them all being successful is slim to nil. Mm-hmm. If you can narrow it down to those two or three, your success rate skyrockets. Yes. So hence I go back to us being a five-star facility. We keep it very simple. Uh, the old acronym keep it simple stupid <laughs> kiss it's yeah it's uh, it's very complexity is is no good
1: it's you know it 's funny you brought that one up. the first thing that came to mind was that 's that 's what we live by pretty much all the time, and that 's what I thought of was keep yeah. it simple stupid you know yeah and and often you know I like to use that by telling it to myself, tell it to myself i 'm not telling somebody else i 'm telling myself keep it simple stupid don 't be making it complex,
2: right, yep.
1: What else you got, my man?
2: Uh, let's see. You know, so what I like to do, and I like to read like you guys do. And what I do with uh, my leadership team is uh, we have a uh, like a little book club, I guess. And I have bought some of the John Maxwell little books and given out to the department heads to read. Now they may not all read them. Uh, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that maybe they all will, but I'm giving them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's all if you want personal growth, you know, I'm trying to give it to you. Um, but one thing that I want them to do, because, you know, I'm not the only leader in the building. I consider each and every department head a leader in the building. And I want us to be able to um, act like leaders, uh, just respond appropriately. And one of my other favorite sayings, um, it's, uh comes out of a book called, you ever guys heard of a book called Verbal Judo?
0: I have not, but I'll look it up. How about you, Ed? Yeah, I haven't either. No, I haven't heard of that one.
2: So it's written by a couple of people. George Thompson has his PhD, and then Jerry Jenkins, I guess, is just a regular Joe like me. Um, He made a uh, quote out of the book, my favorite quote in the whole book. When you react to a situation, the situation controls you. When you respond, you're in control. So I take that with my department heads because there's things that goes on just like with you guys in the military things that go on and if you react to it without thinking about it first um you're not always in control sometimes but if you you think about it and you kind of practice just kind of like with cpr are you guys practicing uh whatever all you guys do if you practice it enough when the situation comes up you can respond to it uh you're not reacting to it does that make sense No, it does. Absolutely. absolutely. I actually uh, just looked up that book too, by the way. (laughs) Just because I'm the director of the facility doesn't mean that I can be everywhere at once. So I've got my guys uh, and girls that are out there and it's a seven day a week business, just like the army is. And if I'm not there, the right decisions still have to be made. I Mm -hmm. I don't expect them, if they're going to pick up the phone and call me every single time, that I'm not done my job. I need for them to be able to Respond to whatever, and hopefully we've trained them good enough. And
1: yes, absolutely. That I I couldn't agree with that more. That's I mean that because when you do that, you you are you created an influence in them that they want to take charge. And basically, like we've talked about before, you're literally creating the next person who's going to take your job. Yeah, and you want that, and you want them to do well at it. Exactly. What you got, Ed.
0: Yeah, no, you're you know, that and that we've we have talked about that. And it's funny because tonight I did a, a live video right before this broadcast. And and the guy that I was helping at some points in his career, he gets promoted this month. And uh and I even mentioned, like, hey, we're gonna help him get to the next one so that I can retire. So you're creating that and and this goes to that leadership capital too. He's building his team, a team that he trusts. And they trust Randy. So it's all part of that, you know, um, um, through his emotional intelligence, what he can build in them so that he can take off and and work nights and do the floors. And now they're going, wow, this guy is like, you know, he's number one, number two in charge of the facility, and he's coming in and doing floors. So how can I complain about any little task when, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's setting that standard so it, it transcends so nicely to what we learn and what he's saying. And, and again, I, I love the connection with the civilian versus or connection of military and uh, civilian tonight.
1: Absolutely. Um. So I just got done editing one of our shows uh, last night. I was sitting on the couch editing the show and it made me think about it. And I, I wanted to ask you this question when you came in because I don't think you and I have ever talked about this because we've had a lot of leadership conversations. I remember we sat out... In front of a bench you remember that day we mm-hmm. sat on the bench while our wives were inside making some weird um it in was hopkinsville like a, yeah it was hopkinsville some tray or something and we sat on the bench i bet you we we sat there for like an hour and a half two hours and just talking but this is the question um in your time so since you took over you know and did the leadership things what is what is probably one of the most memorable toxic influence or a toxic leadership Mm. moments that you told yourself, and obviously you're not going to say who it is or where it was that you told yourself, never. will I do, I, I can't do that. I have to be the opposite of that.
2: So yeah, earlier I had said where I had learned some stuff uh, from administrators that I would never want to do and some stuff, you know, I learned that I'm still doing to this day. Um, I worked for a gentleman uh, here in Tennessee down in Nashville that, he strictly sat behind the desk. Uh, he had a parking spot that was right up by the front door that was covered. Uh, he would come in, and he would go check uh, the mailbox, and he would go to his office. And if you wanted to see him, you'd go to his office. He never got out and walked around. He never met residents. He never met family members. Um, he would call people up to his office if he wanted to see them, instead of getting ah. up and going <laughs> out. Uh, very much, uh, he wanted you to know that he was in charge, mm. I guess. And uh, but he had no personality. He he just, uh, um, you know, he he would make comments like, "Randy, they're just doing, you know, they're just they're just doing a job." they don't matter you know if they don't want to do it someone else will come in and do it and i'm thinking well you know to myself i didn't i didn't say it to him but i thought well they got a name yeah. you know you, you should yeah. at least know their name yeah and he did not know probably a 10 percent of the staff that worked there by name except for maybe the department is because he met with them every wow. morning right and um I just uh and then I worked with administrator. Uh her name was Ladonna Scott. Total end of the, you know, opposite end of the spectrum there. She was out on the floor so much. She knew everybody. She was a social flower, so to speak. <laughs> Families would come in the front door. She knew them by first name. She knew they knew her by first name. One of the smoothest running facilities. Uh so I go back to the the gentleman I worked for in Nashville. The facility ran, but it didn't run smooth. Could have been better. It could have been better, and you know relationships uh, are huge. Mm-hmm. They they just are. I mean, uh, you know, I don't care. You could, we could stand up here and say, you know, that we're a five star building and all that, and and maybe we are on paper, but when you get behind the scenes, you know, what is it really? Um, that's kind of a roundabout answer, but. Uh,
1: no, I I agree. Um this is this is I'm writing down for me. Um no, I agree. It's the fact that you you literally got to see two different realms and you knew what worked and what didn't. You know, and maybe maybe there was something that other guy did do that was okay. But it's just like, you should have done more of this. And then maybe there was something on the other end where she she was amazing. You said maybe there was just something you didn't like. But that's how we build our leadership. We take bits and pieces from every little
2: place. Right. He was, uh, in, in my opinion, with all due respect to him, uh, he was a leader by title, but not by anything else. He didn't, I don't know that he earned anybody's respect, to be honest. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, if you got respect of people that you work with um you know they'll sometimes they'll go to the end of the earth with you so to speak and you guys know that more than i do because you've been all around the world i've not but they'll do things for you that uh you may not get otherwise does that make sense no, it
0: makes total sense yeah absolutely yeah absolutely what you got ed anything yeah no i am just caught up i'm not gonna lie randy has been caught up in what he's saying it is uh, he he's very interesting. It's very interesting. I like his perspective. Yeah, I
1: I've had the uh the benefit of getting to ride with him multiple times. We helped him move like what twice, two three times. I think it was three too, times. Too many times. Yeah. <laughs> so every time it's like I spend the whole day with him or a couple of days with him, and and I get to chit chat. And I'm you know it's funny that we learn so much and we can implement that. You know, and there was one time it was it, I want to say it was right after. We, we were helping you move this last time, and we were at Yellowtail, and you kind of, you blurted off something, and then you sent me a message, this is awesome, he sends me a message later on, and he's like, I just, I was just, I'm sorry I was out of place. I'm like, no, Randy, I love your opinion, I'm glad you said that, and I learned something from that, because it was that humility that somebody can, and you know, I talked about it during the toxic leadership, um, as, oh, I'm sorry, the toxic influencer um, show, which that I think that comes out a little bit after this. Uh, but I talk about how, um, this one guy, he made me mad and I kind of blew up a minute and, and I didn't really blow up. I was just really forceful with him, but then I had to go back. I just, I knew it inside of me that I had to go back and tell him, Hey man, that's not your fault. I was just in the wrong place. My mind wasn't in the right frame. I'm sorry for that. You know? So it's just every time I learn more and more from you. So I love it. Uh, Ed, what do you got for him? Any questions? Before uh, we
0: get to move no, on? Um, no, I think he he brought up some good stuff. So I, there's a term for it. I want to say it's called walk around leadership. When he talks about the one, just in his office, and you know, I mean, we we talk about leaders as a presence, um,
2: but that, you got to be a walk around leader. And I learned that so in the book I read. Oh, go ahead, Randy. I was just going to say you you hit on something that I read in in uh, my book before I took my test. It's called management by walking around. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no. I had a first sergeant, first sergeant right, and he believed in walk around leadership, and, and which is really weird because you also talked about being shy as a kid, and I, I'm shy. I was shy as a kid, and I've gotten more sociable as I've gotten older. But as a leader, that comes in handy because you know uh, I'm in a huge organization now, and if I'm not sociable, then I'm going to go to somebody and say, "Hey, I need a favor," and they're going, who, "Who is this guy?" But if you take a moment just to say hi to somebody. Hey, how's your day? Hey, I work over here. Then you create that connection, but you can't create that connection. If you don't, you don't leave your desk. And as a a leader like that guy, that's, that's not the impression, you know, that you want. And then in the business that you're in, in the healthcare industry, um, that's important. That's important to have that presence. So yeah, no, I thought you made a great point. And, um, yeah, you got to be able to walk around and, and observe what's going on. How else do you know what's going on? You know, how do you know somebody's doing not doing the wrong thing? How do you, you, you might miss stuff like that. And then now you have investigations and you have all this other craziness going on, but it's your fault because you didn't leave your desk. So excellent point. Excellent, excellent,
2: excellent interview tonight. So I don't have a desk. So I took the, you don't? Uh, I don't, I don't have an office. So I, I used to. But uh, as I've read more and I've, I've just kind of got into it a little bit more, you know, chatting with Brian about the leadership stuff, what I do now is I have a laptop and, you know, and nowadays you can have everything you need on your laptop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one day I'll go spend and I'll spend maybe a day or two working on my laptop when I have to in the business office uh, while she's in there collecting money and billing insurance and all this. And I'm, kind of picking her brain because I don't know everything there is about billing, but I'll go in there. The next day I may go down to the therapy room and I'll listen to them do all their therapy jargon and watch them work with the residents. So I don't have an office per se. Uh, I have a backpack that I carry around my, my (laughs) mobile office, my planner and my laptop. And uh, so that's another way I get out on the floor is uh, do that. I just, I don't, I don't have it.
1: That's, you know what, that's that's great because that's basically forcing, because it's almost like you don't have that little permanent station. It's forcing you to do something else. That's that's amazing. I, I love that idea. I love that concept. Yeah. I wonder, you know, to me, that's that concept too, that you're always going to have to be progressing or moving forward or doing something. you It's not, you know what I mean? You can't hide.
2: So I might have made some enemies, I don't know, because the, the owner of the company, he come by a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and this has only happened over within the last month that I did this. Okay, right. So he come by and he was uh, he said, well, "Let's go to your office so we can sit down and chat." And I said, "Well, how about we go to the conference room because I don't have an office anymore." And he looked at me kind of funny. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, he said, "Well, what'd you do to it?" And I said, "Well, I give it up. Uh, you know, this, I'm just trying to make it more efficient for the team so that I can have plus. It kind of makes me get out on the floor a little bit more. So." After spending a few hours there, he really liked the idea, and he said, "I may have to take that around to some of the other facilities." I said, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, not everybody may not see it the same way I see it." So uh, yeah, so the next uh, regional meeting we have, I'll see uh, how well received I am. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we well, kn- go ahead, Ed. Oh, you know what I like about it, Brian. Because he's going to these other areas, right? And he's sitting and he's he's doing his work and he's listening in. So he's not going to be a therapist. He's not going to be a master of it. But he can gain a working knowledge. He can talk it a little bit. You know what I mean? So uh, when he's got to make key decisions or stuff like that, they can't talk around him because he has a little knowledge. Uh, I, I like that. I like that lifelong learning that he's doing there at his organization and it's almost like too with
1: the 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 guy who runs like the overall company head. he yeah maybe some lifelong learning going on with some other people too yeah you Um, you can learn (laughs) i I have a question and i don't know if you're allowed to answer yet are you allowed to talk about the future of what Randy's going to be doing or sure you can like yeah, the like the next position <laughs> that was talked about
2: yeah so uh so i am hoping to uh to move up to a what we call a regional position within the company to where i would go around and kind of like oversee some different facilities so that's uh that's my goal
1: and that's part of the reason why he visited you though isn't it yeah, we're... He also likes to see the facility, but...
2: Correct, yeah. I mean, we're 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 a five-star facility. Right. And um, so hopefully I can replicate that in some of the other facilities, you know, when the time comes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, I, I only brought that up because I was I was kind of excited when my wife told me about it, because obviously you're, you talk to your wife, she talks to <laughs> my wife, and then my wife talked to me, and that's how I found out. And I was excited. I was like, yes, Randy is moving up that ladder, you know. And I'm not saying the ladder, but it's... The fact that you get to you'll get to influence even more people is what I'm excited about. Like I am, like it excites me because I know you personally, and and I think it's like people, those of you who don't know Randy Ashby yet, he's coming and he's
2: coming next week. <laughs> no, that's so, like a movie. Trailer. So here's the part of this: if this if this does transpire at some point in the future, then you know, to me, this is you uh, just talking about earlier in the conversation about being. Uh, you know, making a uh, transformation, I would be doing something similar. You guys it would put me on the road away from home. I've yeah. never had a job to where, and it wouldn't be for months at a time like you guys do by any stretch of the means, but, you know, maybe going a week at a time away from home, and I've right. never done that, uh, and that's something I've uh, I've kind of mulled over in my head, you know, because I'm used to going home every night, and sleeping in my bed, and seeing my wife every night, and... Um so you know you guys y'all are the experts in that on being away from home for extended periods of time you're getting ready to go out next month yeah yeah and be gone for several months not to bring up something mm-hmm. bad no that's but, fine um so you know that's um that's the only downside I guess to yeah. doing something like what i'm wanting to That's, do
1: yeah no it, it, it's totally understandable uh, it's funny so ed has the german studios i'm actually going to call mine the south of the border studios <laughs> but it's not going to be like mexico it's going to yeah, be south the, of Bo- south Korean of the parallel word, but oh, okay. yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> south of the parallel yeah no um it's just you know it's it's amazing to hear that too because you're you're literally like you're taking another transition and it's funny because at the same time, Ed and I, at some point, we have to retire. And when we retire, are we going to take on jobs that where we're stable? I will. I mean, I love being around my family. Um, my wife knows I'm just one of those people. I have to get away every once in a while to clear my head, type thing, because that's just who I am. But I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know what's to come. Ed doesn't. That's why I'm trying to get Ed to, you know, to. Uh, Partner up with me some other things, but we'll see what happens in the future. So, uh, but that's yeah. yeah. So, what's that? That's funny. Go ahead, my man.
0: No, so I, I actually have always wanted to travel for work. And, uh, you know, I don't know if retirement's the answer, but um, yeah, I've always wanted to travel. But I think that instead, I'm just going to buy a fishing boat and I'm going to live in Florida. And when I need to get away, I'm just going to go out on the boat. I don't know about this <laughs> travel stuff, but <laughs> we'll see where Brian can. Hey, we'll see what he can talk me into. I didn't know about doing a podcast either and here we are, 25 or so episodes in and I'm still yeah. going. So, oh, wow. we'll see what he can talk me into, Randy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I have a I have a lot of uh expectations
1: for Ed, so I'm just letting you know. He doesn't know this, I'm going to whisper it to you, but he's going to be really
2: important in my company. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So, well, there you yeah. go, Ed. Yeah. No, um so <laughs>
1: with that, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with before we close out, Randy?
2: Uh, you know what? Uh so yeah there's uh i've read this um let's see da, 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 da. i wrote down a couple of things here
1: you wrote it down more than a couple there's three pages
2: well hang on here oh <coughs> it's right up the very top okay so you guys were talking about what you were going to do after you retire and you know i was chatting about you know uh, my career and shifting gears and all that um plan your own life Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jim Rom, R-O-H-M.
1: I love Jim Rom.
2: Had a quote, says, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. Now, Ed, it sounded like Brian's already got you in his company, so (laughs) keep that in mind. But now, I think uh, Brian's a good guy, so he's got a lot planned for you. says, uh, and guess what? They have planned for you, not much. So uh, what I would say to anyone out there is, uh, you know, live your life the way you want to live it. You're the only one that's in charge of it. If you don't take charge of it, then you may wind up doing something that you don't want to do for the rest of your life. And uh, me, I've been very fortunate. uh, I'm going to be able to do a job till I retire that, uh, again, that they pay me to do. And um, so I feel very blessed to be able to do that. Some people are in these jobs, uh, the old proverbial nine to five, and um, it's never too late. Uh, and I know I'm talking in circles here, but it's never too late to start over. One of the, uh, women that I graduated nursing school with, she was 56 years old mm. when she decided to go back to nursing school. Wow. She had been a housewife and a mother her whole life. Her husband passed away and she said, now I'm going to do what I want to do. And I remember when she was talking to the class, um, you know, it's it's a shame how many people go through life doing what other people want them to do instead of doing what you want to do yourself. Yeah, yeah. Now, no doubt, she was a great wife and a great mother. But at the ripe old age of 56, she was going to finally be able to do what she wanted to do.
1: she'd be happy. Do yeah. it early. Yeah.
2: You know, do it, um, figure out what it is you want to do, and you'll have a great life.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I, for, I failed to mention that you're a UK fan. Earlier well, you on. know,
2: and I thought everybody was, but... Um, no. So thank goodness we're not all Patriots fans. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. You know, the, the Patriots, Tom Brady, Bilicek, oh, uh, Belichick, or no. Belichick, or Bellyache, or whatever you want to call it. Oh, him. The Bill so, Here's the thing. <laughs> I got it. Okay, yeah, guys, listen. listen I, have friends, got into that. I have friends. I have friends in New
1: England that are going to freak out, and they're not going to listen to a show anymore because you guys are downing them. Come
2: well, on. Here's the thing. No <laughs> doubt, they'll all be in a Hall of Fame, but with an asterisk beside their name. <laughs> oh no! Exactly. So, um, you know what? It's not like some of the old uh, old school teams that played for it, and, and, and just. So, what what did Brady say the other day? And I ain't going to say it over the air, but uh, when he made the comment about being in a Pro Bowl. You'll have to. I, it's, you'll have to. I'll show it to you when we get off. Here, yeah, but, you'll have uh, to because
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, they'll have a little star next to the their name. Well,
2: that's basically what he said yeah. in so many four-letter words. But yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they'll have a little asterisk beside their name there, Ed. Oh, good. So. <laughs>
1: you too. It's like I'm feeling like I'm getting ganged up on here. I don't like this. And and, and the other part is is this too? You're a UK fan, so you're always making
2: fun of the UT. Well, Tennessee Falls. You know now I know how you guys love to read books, and I know Brian <laughs> does. Uh, in the news the other day, and it was just so heartbreaking. The uh, the UT library burnt, and they lost both books. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, but anyway, so. Uh, oh,
1: he's so full. Hey, and I'm telling ever. you, this guy he kills me. So I had to uh, get rid of a bunch of stuff at my old house, and one of the things I was just gonna I was just burning wood. Yeah, he's got a picture of it. I was burning this wood, and it had a University of Tennessee symbol, the T itself. He wanted to make sure he got to set it over at the pit and then take a picture so he could share it with all the UT fans at work where he was at. So, wow. This guy's ruthless. Man, I thought you were a good leader. I think, wow. I think that picture should go <laughs> in the show
2: notes. <laughs> oh, no, no. I've got it on my phone. I'll send it to him. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, hey, Randy, I, we want to say thank you so very much for being a part of this show. It was amazing to hear from you. Um, I, To tell you the truth, I'm sad that it's only this long because there's so many things that like you and I have had conversations on about leadership and understanding. As a matter of fact, one of those books you talked about buying, you gave my wife. I now have it in my possession. It's going to Korea with me because it's three different books in one by John Maxwell, and I loved it. And I want to take it with me to kind of help um, yeah, I want to say one of the things that it was talking about leadership influence in it, it was like the third book in it. It was, okay. a th-
2: you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's got yeah. three books in one.
1: Yeah. And yes. I was, I was excited about that. And so it's funny, like inadvertently, you actually, you've influenced me as a leader and not even realize it through my wife when she w- used to work for you a long time ago. And man, I'm glad she doesn't work for you anymore. Now we can be
2: friends. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. It uh, has been a lot of fun. I hope I didn't talk in too many circles. And uh, I hope I didn't come out sounding like oh, some old country hick. Uh, I'm <laughs> always a little self-conscious about my voice. But I appreciate being on the show <laughs> and uh, you guys taking the time out to uh, to chat with me.
1: Oh, we enjoy it, Ed. You got anything last before I give them their uh,
0: task for the week? No, it's been uh, a very good interview, and there's nothing wrong with being a UK fan as long as you're not a Dukey. I can't, I can't deal with a Duke fan, so
2: I don't like Dukey. Yeah, <laughs> I go back to '93. Almost busted a TV. I, I would say <laughs> I, <laughs> I will definitely
1: say there's there is the three of us have something in common. None of us like Duke, so that's good. Or Tom, Brady. Um, so all right. Watch your mouth. Or Tom Brady. Oh my goodness, you guys are killing me! All right, hey audience, you know it. It comes. It comes every show, every single show. We throw out a task. Well, here's your task today. So he talked a little bit about you know walking around a lot, and then also Ed brought up the idea of walk around leadership. So my question for you, and answer this: Why don't you first try it out, and then come back and answer the question when you see it on the closed Facebook group page? How can you use walk around influencing to make yourself and others better within your organization, maybe, uh, within your community, what outreach, your church, your, um, among your family, no matter what it is you're taking part of, if you're a coach, whatever it is you do, how can you use walk around influencing to make yourself and others better? Go try it out. Then come back to us and let us know because we would love to hear from you because Something you may do, just like what Randy was talking about. He talked about he saw others do certain things a certain way, and he was able to learn from that and develop. Well, if you go try it out, and then you report back, and you kind of give us a little synopsis, maybe somebody else can use that. And that's lifelong learning that we talk about all the time. Ed, you
0: got anything last before we end it? No, I've, I've enjoyed the show tonight. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. <laughs> I disappeared for a little while. Cause I guess got so caught up in the words Randy was saying. And, uh, and, and, and I thank him for joining us. I thank him for the lessons that I learned from him tonight. And I look forward to hearing this, uh, when it's available to the rest of the audience, I look forward to listening to this again. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that
1: ends the show tonight, uh, or today. We say tonight because Ed is at nighttime. We're actually during the day, but uh, we thank you very much for listening in. Make sure you check out one zero one influence, put it in your search bar for the fit on Facebook. It'll take you to uh, our Facebook page. Join the group, be a part of that closed Facebook group. Also, instinctive com. check it out. We're going to start adding more resources each and every day resources that are going to give you links to something else that you may learn something from or to help you out with. We also got Twitter, Instagram, and you'll find Ed and I both on LinkedIn. All great resources. Those of you who are uh, not avid with LinkedIn, I recommend you get on there, you set, you build an account, and start creating your profile, and start doing some of the professional reading that's within LinkedIn, because there are some great articles, great information, uh, but I'm gonna start taking some of that information off there and putting it in our resources page On our our website so it can help you and some it's it's a a centralized location to help you uh, develop who you are as an influencer a leader whatever it is you're trying to be with that i am brian and i am ed and this has been the instinctive influencers podcast thank you very much for listening have a great day